welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. Good morning. Uh, Today we're going to be in Matthew 11. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Matthew 11 and start in verse 25. Now, I have three children and my three children know things about me that very few others do. They see the real me. Now in front of Abby, Sophie and Danny, I don't need to try and be someone I'm not. They, they know, they know me. They've seen me at my best and they've also seen me at my worst. They've lived with me as I've grieved, as I've celebrated, as I've faced challenges and disappointments. They know when I'm frustrated or sad or joyful or just simply content. They know when I'm distracted and they also know when I'm truly present with them because they've shared a home with me. For years, they've been in my presence daily And today we're going to look at how there are things that only Jesus knew about the Father. And today's talk is all about knowing God the Father, and it's an invitation to live like Jesus. This is an invitation for anyone who feels weary and burdened with life. And I imagine there's many of us that feel just like that. It's an invitation to discover a way of life that will make all the difference. So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn straight to Matthew 11, verse 25. What Matthew writes here, he says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. Now, in Jesus' day, the only people who were thought to truly know God were the wise ones, the learned ones. These were the the cleverest of the cleverest, the ones who put in long hours into studying the law, the, the Torah. These were the equivalents of today of neurosurgeons and astronautical engineers. They were they were scholars, they were trained in multiple languages and ancient literature. They had time to think the deepest thoughts about God and to discuss the most complex theological issues. These people were skilled at things like research and analysis. They were professional theologians. And for many, their role and their careers were inaccessible for the general masses. And this was their way of life. They, um, and there was a special word to describe their obedience to this way of life and how they read the law. And we'll come back to that word a little bit later on. And what they've done is they've taken upon themselves a lifestyle of learning. They were wise and they knew the law, but they didn't really know God, not really know him. And what Jesus is saying here is God was not playing their games. As Jesus says, God was hiding himself from the learned and the wise and revealing himself to ordinary people. Jesus' claim here is that in order to truly find and know God, to know the Father, 
You need to come to him as a little child. Wisdom is, is good, but true wisdom only really comes through humility. See, knowing God comes through knowing the Son. And the only one who truly knew God the Father was Jesus, the Son, because he spent time with him. He was in his presence all the time. And so Jesus goes on to say this. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See, Jesus knew the Father not by reading books about him, but by living daily in his presence. Jesus listened to the Father's voice and learned from him, like an apprentice watching and imitating a master, like a, a child watching and trying what their own dad does. Now, in another place, Jesus commented that he only did what he saw the Father doing in John 5, 19. And now we read that God was choosing to reveal himself through the Son to those who were like little children. These were the ordinary ones. They were the poor and the destitute. They were what people described as sinners, the messed up ones, the inferior common people of the land. People like you and people just like me. J.C. Ryle in his commentary says, those from whom the gospel is hidden are generally wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Those to whom the gospel is revealed are generally humble, simple-minded and willing to learn. And so these people were finding God the Father simply by following Jesus. In a way, they were kind of stumbling into the presence of the king and his kingdom. And Jesus was opening the door wide, inviting, inviting ordinary people into the very presence of an almighty God, revealing the truth about who God really was, because this God was the father of Jesus. And so the only way to know God the Father is really through Jesus the Son. In other places we read that he is the way, the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through the Son. We read how anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father and people either hate or love the exclusivity and absoluteness of this. And so everyone has the, the invitation to choose how we respond to this claim. And there is an invitation for you this morning to know God Almighty as a loving Father. But there's a second invitation here. And Jesus is about to give us the most astounding and caring invitation. So if we read on, we'll go on to verse 28. And Jesus gives an invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So today, if you are weary and burdened, there is a particular invitation for you. And it's an invitation to lay it down, to lay down the baggage and disappointment, to lay down the hurt and regret 
to lay down shame and guilt, to lay down bitter unforgiveness, to lay down painful resentment, to lay down crippling anxiety, to lay it all down. And as we do communion later on this morning, that will be an opportunity to lay this stuff down. Anything which is causing you worry and weariness and burdening you. He's also inviting people to lay down religious burdens, to lay down the, the regulations and duties and obligations and legalism, to lay down the, the frustrating failure of trying to earn a place at God's table, to also to lay down any pride or arrogance, to lay down thinking that you have it all together, to lay down trying to meet unreal expectations and be someone that you're not, to lay it all down and to come, to receive rest, to, to kick off your shoes, to put your feet up, to rest in his presence, to feel the embrace of the Father, to lay it all down. And as you do, to take something else up instead. So if we read on to verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, we don't often talk about a yoke. And this is the word that people used um, when people had a, a particular way of learning, and a particular way of uh, reading the law or a lifestyle. And the image of the yoke is that of two oxen yoked together, pulling a heavy load. The yoke was that, that wooden collar that ran across the shoulders of the two oxen. I think the one on the left is probably called Hannibal. Um, but then that was my little joke, so I don't know if that really goes across. Um, it enabled them to jointly pull enormous weights. And so a young oxen was yoked to an older, wiser, stronger oxen and learnt how to work and how to obey commands. Now, Jesus was a, a, a professional rabbi. He was a teacher. And yes, he'd been a carpenter and, uh, or a construction worker. But if you saw him or heard him, you would say, this man is a rabbi. And in Jesus' day, all rabbis had a yoke. And so this yoke was a, a metaphor for a, a rabbi's way of reading the Torah, the law but it was also a way of doing life. It was a set of teachings on how to live life, how to be human, how to navigate everyday living, how to carry the weight of life. And so the yoke of Jesus is a lifestyle. It's a way of doing life. And Jesus says here, this yoke was easy. Not that life was easy, but that this yoke was easy. See, life is hard work. And Jesus never said life would be easy, but the yoke he was inviting his followers to carry was an easy yoke, an easy way of doing life. He would do the heavy lifting. So Jesus had a yoke, but he also had apprentices. And in the Bible, they're called disciples. And so to be an apprentice or a disciple of Jesus is to organize your life around three things. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what he would do if he were you. Really to model all of your life after Jesus' way of life. 
to take up his way of life, his lifestyle. Now, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Danny, uh, my, my own son, um, and I, and anyone else who, who is in the house, uh, we've been watching Clarkson's Farm. Now, I don't know what you think about Jeremy Clarkson, and some of us might have some interesting opinions. He's kind of like one of these Marmite sort of people. But he's, um, Clarkson's Farm is really interesting because it's kind of about him, but it's also about all the other people that have been helping him live a lifestyle of farming. See, he decided that he was going to uh, just run a farm. And what's particularly interesting to me is it's a lesson in discipling. And so you've got this old, grumpy, opinionated man on the left being discipled or apprenticed by a 21-year-old farmhand called Caleb on the right. And so he's learning from this younger person how to live life, how to be a farmer. It's fascinating. Um, now, being a disciple and making disciples always happens in the context of life. Disciples are, are formed in our everyday places where we live out our everyday responsibilities. And Jesus was inviting his followers to a very different way of life, a way of life that would bring them into the presence of the Father, to get away from the heavy burdens imposed by religion. What I like to do is just listen to uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage from the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unformed, unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this invitation is good news. It's good news for the discouraged, for the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty. It's good news for those of us that are on the verge of burnout. It's good news for those of us who are in the middle of burnout. And it's good news for those sitting broken in the ashes of being burnt out. And those of us who compare ourselves to those who seem to have it all together. See, this invitation is for you. And Jesus goes on to say, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But what I find really interesting is this is the only place in all four Gospels where Jesus tells us about his own heart. And the heart is the, the central animating center of all that we do. Our heart is what defines and directs us. The heart is really, it's a, a matter of, a lot of life. It's what makes us the human beings that each of us is. The heart drives all that we do. It's who we are. And Jesus says that here, in essence, he is gentle and humble. He's not harsh. He's not 
reactionary, he's not easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. Jesus is accessible and approachable. He has time for you. He invites you to take time to be with him. And as you do, you'll get to know the Father. And Jesus concludes with this. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus invites the weary, he invites the heavily burdened, he invites the helpless and the harassed not to go to the law, but to come to him. Dallas Willard, in a, a commentary on the secret of the easy yoke, says this. It says, it involves living as he lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle, following in his steps, cannot be equated with behaving as he did when he was on the spot. To live as Christ lives is to live as he did all his life. So let me just unpack that a little bit. It's the entirety of his life. It's all of his life. It's not just trying to do the things that he did when we're under pressure or in the moment. And do you remember, you know, it seems like ages ago when we covered the Sermon on the Mount as part of this series, so what comes first when we read the passage of you know, the Sermon on the Mount, we read all those different bits that Jesus is, is encouraging people to do to take up this life of the kingdom. What comes first is not trying to live as Jesus states in that sermon. What comes first is taking on his way of life. It's training. It's not trying to do things in the moment. It's learning to take on the lifestyle of Jesus, taking up his yoke. So do the things that Jesus did, take up the practices that he did. So how do we take up this easy yoke? I suggest that there's four ways to take up the easy yoke. And um, some of us have read this uh, book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's been going around for a while. Um, it's so encouraging. And in that book, um, John Mark discusses four components of the lifestyle of Jesus four practices that we can do that will enable us to be with Jesus, four practices that will help us to become like Jesus, four things that will help us to do what he would do if he were you. And I think these practices are really how Jesus got to know the Father, to be in his presence. So today, if you are distant from your heavenly Father, then these practices will create an environment for you to know him. I was talking with somebody just this week and they said, I just feel really far from God. And sometimes we think, well, we just need to get more religious. We just need to read the Bible more or pray harder. And I think Jesus would have it a lot more easy for you. Yes, there's obedience and yes, there's commitment. But there's an invitation here to take up an easy yoke. And so the first one is silence and solitude. So during his ministry, Jesus often went off by himself to be alone with God. As Jesus grew more popular, there was a lot of good work to be done. However, consistently throughout his life, Jesus made it a priority to spend time alone with God. Luke tells us that the news about him, as Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
You see, Jesus intentionally sought solitude. It wasn't just that every now and then Jesus found himself on his own. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He considered time alone with God important and he intentionally withdrew from people. He withdrew from the, the noise of life. He withdrew from the demands of people. He withdrew from his circle of close friends. He intentionally went off and withdrew from people in order to draw near to God the Father. And Jesus often sought silence and solitude. It was part of the rhythm of his life. And what I want to suggest to you is if you want to grow, if you want to drown out the noise of life, if you want to feel God's presence, if you want to be de-stressed from the hassles of life, then seek out silence and solitude. Maybe it's just simply finding a quiet place to be on your own for five minutes before the day starts. Maybe it's at the end of the day. Maybe it's getting rid of distractions. What will setting apart time for silence and solitude look like for you this week? The second practice is, is Sabbath. And I don't really want to go into this today because uh, Pauline's going to be speaking on the Sabbath next, next week. But it's really it's part of these unforced rhythms of life. It's an invitation to rest and be blessed. What does having a Sabbath day of rest mean for you this week? And then thirdly, uh, simplicity. Jesus lived a simple life. He taught uh, against greed and accumulating material possessions. He lived this simple life and he encourages us to do the same. Too many times we buy stuff we don't need. We impulse buy and we hoard our stuff. We buy into advertising propaganda and obediently believe the lie that it will make us more happy. Instead, we find ourselves more stressed and anxious in our lives. If we want to experience the easy yoke of Jesus, we need to drastically simplify, simplify our lives. So what will simplifying your life look like for you? And then finally, slowing. You see, Jesus never rushed. He slowed himself down. And it meant that he had time to connect with others to connect with who he was as a person, to connect with God the Father. When people asked him to bless their children, his disciples re rebuked him, but Jesus slowed down and prioritised connecting with those little ones. When a blind man, blind man called out to Jesus for mercy as he was passing by, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but Jesus stopped. He had time for the blind man and connected with him and healed him. When Jesus was dining at the home of Mary and Martha, Mary sat at Jesus' feet while Martha was busy serving and preparing dinner. And when Martha complained, Jesus gently reminded her that it was okay to slow down and sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, in our culture today, we want everything immediately. Immediately, we eat fast food, we watch movies on demand, and we get next day deliveries. But we've lost something. We've lost something of the peace that comes with slowing down and being present in each moment without feeling the need to rush on to the next one. So maybe for you, slowing down means simply taking longer over meals, having meals around the table with, with the family, and not clearing the dishes straight away, but just sitting and enjoying that moment together. Maybe slowing down is, is 
changing how your phone works and getting rid of emails off your phone or moving onto a different screen. Maybe it means just not having that constant tyranny of your phone. Now, if you want to follow Jesus, then your life will change. It kind of has to. Or maybe we're all just simply too busy to follow Jesus. So this week, what will it take to practice the way of Jesus and be present with God the Father? I'm just going to put that slide up again, and then we're going to go into communion. So what will setting apart time for silence and solitude look like for you this week? How will you take a Sabbath day of rest? What will simplifying your life look like for you? And how will you slow down this week? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to go into communion. So Jesus, I thank you that it's through you that we get to know God the Father. Jesus, I thank you for the invitation that we can lay down all the stuff which burdens us, all the weariness, all the anxiety, all the stress. Jesus, I thank you that you invite us to come to you. And so Lord, I just pray for each person watching this right now, that they would know the presence of God the Father. They would know God as a gracious, loving Father. And Jesus, we thank you that it's through your death and resurrection that we get to be reconciled with God our Father and that you also give us the Holy Spirit, that we can experience your blessing every day of our lives. Thanks for tuning in today. We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.